Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm so excited to be sharing this hour with you and hope, of course, that you find it inspiring, educational, educational, and most of all, uh, let's have some fun. Uh, today's show or topic is about coaching and specifically for my managers, business owners out there, um, coaching employees to success and at the end of the day, we're of course looking for increase in production or revenue generation. Um, my guest today um, is Al Giobi, he's a good friend, I'll, I'll tell you about him in a second. We're going to really drill down and start talking about the importance of coaching not only for us as managers to help with delegation and all that kind of stuff, but also for the employee from an, a development standpoint and then ultimately for success for the organization. Um, it's just so much going on, a lot of moving parts with coaching, but it's such an important topic and fundamentally or foundationally, um, I think, strength for us as, as managers, um, strength for employees, and of course, to make our organizations, companies better, um, and at the end of the day, better for our customers. So let me tell you a little bit about Al, my, my good buddy. He happens to be a senior vice president and regional manager um, of the Monmouth and Ocean County branches for Provident Bank, happens to be one of my clients, uh, awesome client, by the way. He started his particular banking career as a teller um, not too many years ago and has advanced through many supervisory management roles. He's worked both the front end on the retail banking, you know, the branches, as well as some back office and operational um, roles. All of that, that diverse background, has really given him some insight not only into the challenges faced by the employees at different levels in the branch, but also um, as managers to successfully bring people uh, to do what we need them to do, but really what they should be doing and to make it easier um, for them. So that whole effective coaching thing, um, he has a tremendous amount of, of background in that. Um, when we talk about coaching, Al and I are really going to discuss, you know, why coach? What, you know, what really impact does it have? Why managers don't coach? And how important understanding that piece is as well. What's the ultimate reward of coaching? How and why it works? We'll give you some steps uh, to implement and some how-tos, again, to demystify what this coaching means. And really, starting today, you could start uh, to go back and work with your team or even work with yourself to become better at communicating and, and coaching people to that success um, that we need. It's also good for career passing for our employees. Um, basically, you know, the nut and bolts of it, it's, it's just a roadmap for your own success to keep it, your hands, you know, on tangible things to be able to deliver uh, to your folks. Now, before I introduce Al, I have to just share a story with you because when I think about coaching, I think a lot of times we have had awesome coaches that have taught us what we should be doing. And I think more frequently, unfortunately, this is a sad, sad uh, testament, but more frequently we have had coaches or managers or uh, peers or whatever that have been leading us that really aren't so great at coaching. So my first story is about a coach that probably wasn't that great when I look back now as an adult. Uh, I was um, in high school. I was a, a sophomore, and I made the vars 
varsity softball team. And the coach was, man, this dude was just boring, no personality, uh, probably was doing it for the income, certainly not for the passion of working with us girls or the game itself, and literally was going through the motions of, you know, now he's a coach, right, softball coach, so going through the motions of coaching. I happened to play two positions. I played first base, and I also played right field. I'm 5'11", I was then and I still am, so I have, I'm pretty big, and I have a really strong throwing arm, so ultimately that's why they put me in, in right field um, quite a bit. So this one practice, I'm in the outfield, now picture it, and, you know, I'm 16 years old, bored out of my mind because this guy just did not make the, the practices engaging or fun at all, and so of course I got bored and I was horsing around with the uh, center fielder. And all of a sudden, I hear the coach yell to me in right field, hey, Minnehaha, catch this one. Uh, just as an aside, I'm 5'11", you know, quite large, and Minnehaha became my nickname, Minnie, in school, which people would look and say, you know, there's nothing Minnie about this chick. Anyway, he, ha, ha, he, Minnehaha, catch this one. So I start to track it to try to catch the pop fly, and it got lost in the sun. And yes, you know what happens. Clocked me right dead center in the middle of my forehead. Knocked me off my feet. Can you imagine? Now, this is where the bad coaching, you know, aside from the, the, the practice being an utter bore, he yells at me. That'll teach you not to pay attention during my practice. So can you imagine? 16, under my breath, of course, I'm cursing him out. You know, the other players, my teammates are like, oh, my God, are you okay? Um, he was an utter moron, to say the least. Now I fast forward and see with my kids in sports and the um, – high awareness or, or the hyper awareness with concussions this guy didn't even care that i had you know gotten knocking off my feet so here is a really good story about bad coaching okay now let's we can't do bad without good it's got to have a little balance so my story about good coaching really uh, i attribute i've had i've had a couple of really good managers through my career uh, again unfortunately more bad than good but i think that the biggest um influence or uh coaching positive coaching experience for me was i'm lucky to lucky enough to have uh two awesome and strong parental influences over you know over my my uh my life my 52 years of life you know my dad came from italy at the age of 19 come to america right all of that cool i'm sure many of us have similar stories of, of immigrant parents um so cool story for me with with this rich family history you know, he didn't know the language, 19-year-old kid. He lived with an aunt and uncle he had never met before, right, gets a job in construction, work, goes to, at night to learn English, to, you know, to be able to speak in this country. You know, and I, when I look back on the stories, you know, as a kid I rolled my eyes like, yeah, who cares? Um, but at the end of the day, the lessons that you learn, and now as a parent I guess I, I appreciate those um those subtle, I'll call subtle lessons, um, you know, about discipline, hard work, being the best you can be, um, not only in order to provide a good life currently, but also down the road, and just always to be your best, to do your best for whoever you worked for. Uh, you know, after working in this country, my dad is an engineer by trade, and I mean, now he's retired, he's 80, 84 years old, uh, but he's an engineer by trade. He worked his way up to various uh, executive positions in toy companies in uh, New York, 
in Brooklyn, actually. And being a kid, having your dad work for a toy company, we got a lot of the prototype toys. So, woohoo, jackpot on Christmas morning for us kids. Um, anyway, after he did that, he went out on his own and o- opened his own engineering firm as well. And through most of my uh, teenage and, and college years, that's, you know, what he did. He worked for himself. So, you know, why am I telling you this story about my parents? Because they're great. Uh, but really, it's because I'm sure so many of us have similar stories. And when you look back, that's how we're groomed. That's how we learn. That's how we become the coaches that our employees need or our children need or um, if we – you know, are are um, responsible for a sports team, whatever it whatever it might be. Um, you know, the other thing I've realized in the past thirteen years, having my own business, I guess, having a parent that was uh, a business owner, is that there's risk involved. And you know, my dad was courageous enough to do it. I never realized, I think, what a risk it was um, because he made it look so easy. And again, he was such a great role model for me that, you know, failure, you know, that that name didn't exist or that word didn't exist um, for me. So just I, I wanted to share those two kind of extreme stories. One, you know, a dude going through the motions and just being really bad at coaching. And then here, parents who didn't even realize they were coaching, you know, giving such valuable um, lessons through life. So just powerful stuff. And I just wanted to share that uh, um, a little bit for you. Um, I know a, a lot of times today when we talk about coaching, people put that mentoring in. And there is a certain amount of mentoring or leading by example, um, I, I think, for anybody that we're responsible for, that we're trying to help. And for me, I think coaching is truly leading by example. And we all know that old saying, a picture's worth a thousand words. But isn't that really true? You know, you learn by observing. You learn by repetition. You learn by um, people you kind of straightening you out and, and telling you the right way uh, to do things when you're struggling. So that's really, you know, I wanted to give you some insight and some background. Now I really want to go back and um, invite my guest on so that we could start chatting about all of the Um, cool things that we really can give our employees and ourselves as well as um, just getting better and making work easier uh, by helping people get better and thus being able to delegate. So if any of this sounds familiar to you, uh, another thing that I do love is please share your stories with me. I love to hear how people have been molded into the dynamic leaders that you know we are today. Send me your stories, comments, thoughts, whatever, um, and just email me, Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. Uh, Again, that's Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. Uh, and I will respond. Believe it or not, I will respond. All right, so as we start to um, – uh, have our conversation. I'm going to invite my good buddy Al Giobion. Al, you there? Hello, Connie. How are you? I am so I'm so excited that we're doing this, and you and I are both um, I think real comfortable with talking, so this should be fun. And, I'm very excited also, and yeah. I thank you for your kind introduction. But it has been a long time since my teller days. <laughs> yeah, but they don't know that. They can't see us. So we could say that we're 25 and they won't be any the wiser, right? Uh, I'll go I know, with that. right? It's sad. It's sad when we talk about a lifetime of work, right? Um, so today, I really I want to start to 
dive into this whole this word coaching i think terrifies uh people because we you know if they don't know how to do it or they've never been coached well you know how do i deliver this uh to my team or or the people i'm responsible for i i thought al before we start i think that maybe we should give some um terms that i have written down here in my notes for coaching and for me, and, and I, I'm going to tell you my definitions and then I'd like you to add to them if you think that I missed anything. Um, for me, coaching is more of a leadership role and it's about teaching people or even more importantly, most of the time, showing people how to improve by providing clear expectations as well as discussing um, tangible goals and actionable or clear actionable how-to steps. So for me, leadership is, isn't about telling people what to do or giving them a to-do list, but really showing and, and enlightening them. Now, managing, and then, and then see if you agree with this, managing, I think, is more about our role as managers to managing a process or a technical aspect um, or a strategic plan or whatever that is. So for me, managing or management is more about the task, and I think coaching is more about the leadership, which drills down to coaching or changing people's behavior um, or the human capital that we're responsible for. Uh, you know, what do you think I completely of those two words? I completely agree, and I, I, I think that leadership – is so critical to being a successful coach and a lot of the qualities that make a, a successful leader also make a successful coach things like um, a passion for it genuinely listening to people um, being personable those types of things are so important to being a a charismatic and effective leader and it translates right into being a charismatic and effective coach yeah I love that word charismatic. Um, I think that you know that charisma actually comes from the passion of not only trying to be the best you can be, but making others be the best that they can be. Right? Absolutely. If, if you're a boss and you're being very wooden in your interaction with your 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 staff and and not really invested in it, they know that they see that, and their response is going to be they're not going to give it their all either. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mediocre, mediocrity seeks mediocrity, right? And in, in, in training, you've heard me say, um, you put good stuff in, you get good stuff out. You put garbage in, what are you going to get out? You know, garbage. It's garbage. Out. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad, but true. Uh, before I ask you a couple of questions uh, to to really kick off our discussion, um, I just want to pause for a very brief break, and then we'll come back and we'll really uh, get into more of the nuts and bolts about coaching. Okay, you with me? I'm with you. All right, pause break, and then we'll be back. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. 
or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. All righty, we're back, okay? Um, Al, we I'm have here. known each other, I think, eight years, right? About that, yeah. About that, yeah. It, it went um, fast, I think, for me. I love being part of um, your bank, and your bank hired me uh, eight years ago to help develop their sales, but also that coaching, co- blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I could say that three times fast, and coaching culture, which I think we really have done in the past eight years, and you've been with Provident this entire, for this entire transition, right? That's right. Okay. Now, question for you, and this is the first one. I, I think people hear coaching, 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 what does it mean, you know, all that. Um, I want you to share and be honest with, with um the first or that initial response when Provident turned around and said, yep, we're going to do coaching now. First we introduced the sales you know, uh, premise, okay? And then now we had to coach that as managers. So when they said to you coaching, I'm curious what was your initial response and a part B to this question, um, because I probably didn't see this, but how did your employees respond once you started to make sure that the coaching was going on? Well, I've been with Provident for almost 16 years, so I was very entrenched in the culture prior to this new coaching culture. So I've seen the changes from the beginning. I know what it was like before. And when it came on board, like anything else, any other prospect of change, people question it, people doubt it, people resist it. Um, you know, the, you hear various things. People say, oh, this is another flavor of the month. This isn't going to stick. You know, sure. uh, six months from now, this will move on to something else. And I give Provident and I give yourself a lot of credit because the, the dedication to establishing this culture and growing this culture has been consistent. And in my opinion, it's really paid off. Yeah. Thank you for that, by the way. Yes. How did your employees respond to you? Um, again, the, the prospect of change is something that, that frightens a lot of people, that, that provokes a lot of negative response in most people. Um, I think that uh, people really needed to see what the benefit at the end of the day would be from making this change. They were used to doing things the way they always have. and. Mm-hmm being told and given the prospect of, of trying something new to get some new and, and different and exciting results, people don't want to do that. People are comfortable in their, in their little box. They don't want to step outside the box and, and see where things can take them. That's just human nature. Yeah, well, think about it. Change immediately, I think, I think everybody, everybody, I don't care how aggressive or how, how much of a risk taker you are, somebody says the word change, and I think our subconscious kicks in, and it's fear. And fear is a bigger motivator even than greed. So all of a sudden, I feel this fear and change, and, and it becomes a, what if I can't do it? What if they exactly. fire me? And that's, you know, because we work, we need paychecks, we have bills. So I think that fear almost becomes debilitating at time. You know, how, how do you think, now I know your team, obviously, because we, we work very closely. Right. And, and they're awesome, every one of them. You know, I hope when they listen to this that, you know, giving them kudos that they appreciate the effort that they put out is recognized. It's definitely recognized by me and I know by you. When you... With, with fear being 
understood, and I think you're you're empathetic to that, where you 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 see it, you recognize it, and you think, all right, I have to um, get them on board and being willing willing to change. How do you think? How do you think you did that? Um, I I just want other managers to kind of hear how you got your people to buy in number one and how long really does that take because it's not it's not like okay we have a meeting we're coaching this is what we're doing we're on board you know that's ridiculous so you know it takes it takes a period of time so what did you do how did you get them to to kind of breathe and say we trust you okay you know we'll do this and then how long before they were coming to you to say holy crap this stuff works you know that kind of thing I can sum it up in two words, Connie, patience and consistency. Yeah. Um, th- this, is, this is not a, a process or an engagement that happens overnight, within a month, within six months. It is a very slow-moving process. And, you know, p- different people engage in, in their own time and in, in, at different speeds. Um, I've, seen, I've seen the light bulb go on for many different people at many different times where all of a sudden – everything just falls into place and they kind of see the big picture and they say, Oh yeah, that's it. I, I, number one, I can do this. I can do this successfully and I can make the change happen that that I and the company want to happen. Um, it's, it's, it, 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 it takes a lot of consistent application. You know, as a coach, you really, you have to be on your game and you have to make it very positive and, especially in the in the early part as you're as you're going through the change of culture or the desired change of culture people are looking for a reason not to buy in and totally. if they see if they see the coaches coming to the table not committed not positive not you know standing behind their words that I'm here to help you they're going to use that as their out now let me ask you a question it and specifically again for your region we'll we'll talk do you feel, and I, I have my opinion on this, but I'm curious to hear your opinion. Do you feel that the bank has supported you while people moved up that learning curve and that the company had patience for what we were trying to accomplish, you know, at that, that really down to the teller, you know, all the way through, um, you know, through the, the regional level? Did, did you feel that there was patience from them to you? Like you said earlier, this this is a process that has and always will have a lot of moving parts. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of like that old parable where life is not a destination, it's the journey. There's never <laughs> really a final destination associated with coaching. It's a constant yep. journey. It's a constant improving of one's skills. It's a constant sharpening. It's a constant movement through different phases of the work cycle, the life cycle, whatever it is. Yep. Um, the learning cycle of the employee, right? All of that. Exactly. So I give, I give the company credit in that they understand that and they've never put pressure on us that, you know, we, we've passed the end point or we should be at this point or by now. It, it's recognized that it is an evolution, that it is a slow-moving evolution sometimes. And we track, we kind of take a big, Provident takes a big picture view of it and looks at where are we now in terms of where we were last year, two years ago, five years ago. Yeah. And as long as we're moving in the right direction, 
I think that the hires up are satisfied with that. I'm satisfied with that. I, I, I don't expect my people to reach 100% within a certain time frame. It's just not a realistic way to approach it. Yeah, and I, and I agree. I, your company is almost, for me, the poster child because um, many of my companies, I always bring coaching as a component, and they're like, yeah, we'll coach quarterly. And I'm like, no, no, monthly. <laughs> you have to do this monthly. And they they just don't get into that groove of the monthly. And your bank, I mean, we have forms. Not that the form is important. It's more of a conversation, but to, not to get off topic, you know, with, with the details of forms and all of that. But the forms is the tangible accountability to some extent, I think, because initially it was if you fill out the form correctly, that's half the battle. Then the conversation, the form is nothing more than your notes, and then it makes for a better coaching conversation. And your bank allowed for all of that learning time on how to correctly fill out the form, right? But more importantly, knew that was the step needed for the conversation to be effective. So I I agree. I think they have done, you know, like any company, could we have done things smarter or better? Yeah, hindsight, you know, hindsight's always uh 20/20. So looking at what they have done and and the implementation and the execution now, you know, 5 6 years into it has been I think exponentially really good and awesome to watch. And I will share um just for the listeners who who don't know you or I or you know what what Provident has embraced, about three years ago, do you remember uh, the executives came to me and said, you know, we really want to make sure now that all the training's done, how do we make sure in the field that they're executing nicely or properly or effectively? And I came out and you know, there's only one of me, but it was an awesome experience. I felt like a rock star coming around to the branches um, who I hadn't seen in a while. But you come in and I watched and observed their coaching one-on-one with them and an employee and being able to say, you as a coach, this is what you need to develop and bring back to your coach, right, so that you continue to get better at coaching. And then for the employee to teach them if they hadn't been exposed to me in training, especially the tellers, you know, how to sell and what to say and to make it a conversation and how easy this is. So that exposure, I think, ranked up the coaching even more because your bank was so committed, so committed to the whole process um, and, the, you know, the training piece had been done. So, again, kudos that they had the vision and the foresight um, to do that, right, I think. Totally, totally. And from my own standpoint, dealing with my team, I think my my management team is fantastic. They they really engage in the right way. They they have the that that passion, that desire to do this and to see the fruits of it. Um, yeah. And at different points during the this process, I've sat in with my managers as they coach their subordinates, and I encourage my managers to sit in with their direct reports and observe their coaching and give feedback on the coaching style, on the coaching techniques, because like you said, you know, the skill of coaching itself is something that always invites feedback and you can always improve on and grow on and do better with. And the only way you're going to do that is by having somebody else who can give you that insight, somebody from the outside looking in who can say, hey, you did a great job, but maybe try this next time. Absolutely, to just tweak it a little bit. And it's funny that you say we could always improve coaching. 
you know, 30 years in the business world coaching and really in sales, right? That's my, my expertise and, and coaching, of course. And that coaching piece, so many times I'll be training a class and someone will say something that's so insightful. And I stop and I think, oh, I never thought of that. That's brilliant, like a, just a different perspective. And all of a sudden, next time I sit with someone, I share that insight from one of their peers, and they like, you got it, like you understand what we're talking about. And I think, oh, they helped me become a better coach with that insightful comment or whatever it might be. You're always learning. You're always becoming better at it. It's, you're right. It's a journey. It truly is a journey. Um, do yep. you find that to be the case, too? People say something, and you think, oh, i got to use that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I am constantly learning things from my, my staff, from my peers. Um, you know, you, you, you kind of have to put your ego aside sometimes and be open to receiving that kind of feedback and recognizing that it's for the greater good. Um, absolutely. So yes, I, absolutely. I love also that you mentioned the word ego. I think um, the ones who fight me the hardest They'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I do that. And then I go and I observe them, and they do nothing of what they should be. And then, you know, I, you know I'm honest. I'm, I'm a, a, a kind Simon Cowell, but I give nice, <laughs> I give, right? You know what you say? I give real feedback, but I do it with kindness and respect and compassion. I don't, I don't you know, slam people because nobody's going to benefit from that. But at the end, they'll say, well, you know, here's some recommendations that maybe you should try. And they're like, oh, yeah, I was just nervous. You know what? I take nerves into account when I do the one-on-one -on -one coaching, and I realize I'm watching, and they're like, oh, my God, she's going to do a report. What if I look bad? I get all of that. So I take that into account, and you know, you know where the nerves have impacted, and then you know when – they're just, their ego is, is the problem that they're not humble enough to say, I really do need help. My people need help. I'm not a good coach or I'm an okay coach, but I have so much more. So for anybody listening, um, you really, you really do need to park that ego piece of it because at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's not about Al. It's not about you. It's about helping your people do what they need to do. And as a manager, by having your people do what you need them to do and what they need to do, we can delegate. Now we can do more high-level things that we should be doing as managers, be in more strategic meetings, whatever it might be. And that's how you get that promotional or that movement through the organization. Right, Al? Don't, don't you think that ego needs to be kind of parked sometimes? 100% yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and we all know that I'm great. I am great. <laughs> but I do park my ego um, more frequently, I think, than, than I even know. Uh, I just want to share with everybody, if, if you're feeling, if everything Al and I are talking about is resonating and you think, yeah, I want to do that, but I really have no clue, please, please, you know, call me. This is what I do. This is what I'm good at. Um, Give me a ring. I'll give you my, my information. It's at, uh, call me at 732-888-1420. Again, 732 area code 888-1420. Or again, you can email me at Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. And Connie's easy, C-O-N-N-I-E, the at sign. And then Whitman is W-H-I-T-M-A-N-A-S-S-O-C.com. And sometimes, you know, when you feel like 
you're overwhelmed or you're stuck, sometimes really it's a simple quick conversation with me um, and we could come up with some guides or some action plans for you to try um, to see and, and get it to work. You know, I, I always want my, I think when people say to me, what is sales? To me, it's teaching and inspiring and guiding. And for me, I want to challenge you to grow and find that balance and be able to delegate and all, do all those things so you continually move your career forward and help your team move their career forward. Um, you know, life is too short to be miserable and frustrated and overwhelmed. So, um, you know, call me, reach out to me. Together, I'm telling you, it's much easier for me to hear and understand your situation, for me to zoom out because I could be objective, be clear. It becomes very clear to me as to what you need to do. And I, I really am a guiding light. I, I hope um, that you would find me a guiding light. So uh, changing you, challenging your comfort zone to sustain growth is what I do well. So again, call me, 732-888-1420, or email me at Connie at WhitmanAssociates. Uh, .com. Uh, let's grow you. Let's grow your business. Let's grow your employees and find that balance um, together. I, I really, really embrace that, and, and I do take it seriously, and I really do show empathy um, when you're struggling with something. So you know what? Reach out. I'm here. I'm listening, and I'm waiting, all right? All right, so back to Al and our conversation. I have another question for you. Shoot. For me, accounting, uh, accounting, for me, coaching is also about holding your team accountable, but also yourself accountable. So early on, and if it has changed, it might be the same process you put in place initially. But I think account when we hold people accountable, that's where it's not the flavor of the month anymore, and they think, uh-oh, I better do this, right? You have that kind right. of feeling. But it's not a beat up. I'm not saying we beat people up to get that result. How do you hold your people accountable and hold yourself accountable as well? Well, I'll, I'll kind of divide this answer into two sections. Okay. The biggest, consistently, the biggest, the, the feedback that I get from my people is that their biggest challenge with, with adhering to a coaching schedule is time management. Totally. Um, if you have a customer in front of you, that demand, that that need of your time is immediate. If there are operational compliance issues, uh, tellers out, vault needs to be proved, whatever it is, those are things that need to be taken care of now. And if you have a coaching session scheduled, it's very easy to push that off to another day because that is something that can be flexed around, that can be moved around in your calendar. Um, unfortunately, though, that doesn't create the environment where the coaching sticks. Yeah. And you know the thing that I tell my people all the time is you, you have to make the time for this because it is so critically important to everything that we're trying to achieve, both as a company, as, a, as, a, as an office, individually, all of our goals come down to this. Mm -hmm. And you know, putting that time aside is just so, so critical to making that happen. Now, as far as holding accountable, um, for me, the feedback portion, the, the, the follow-up portion is the most important piece of that accountability. If you have a coaching session with someone on your staff, you can, you can have a great session and you have great conversation and you come up with a, a, an action plan that 
meets all the criteria of a successful action plan, and you agree on it, and you shake hands, and you go back to your job, if that, if that coach doesn't check in and follow up and make sure that the, the action plan that you agreed on is being implemented, that the person is trying to do what they agreed they're going to do, it's going to be put aside, and it's, not, it's, it's probably not going to happen. Or if it is happening, you know, the coach should be involved in that and, and giving little pointers. You know, okay, I saw you do this. Maybe try this. See how this works for you. Just giving that consistent feedback formally and informally so that way by the next coaching session, you can kind of formally check in and say, okay, this is what you accomplished based on what we said you were going to do next month. And without that piece, without, that, without the employee knowing that their, their coach, their manager is, is going to check in on them and is going to follow up and make sure that they're doing it, it's going to be put to the side. And then at that next coaching session, when the coach asks, you know, how'd you do with our action plan? Uh, I kind of didn't get to it. It was a busy month. I had a lot going on. So Excuses. You know, People love excuses, yes. Exactly. So the follow-up slash structuring of time of the coach is, to me, just the most important part of the accountability piece. Yeah, and you know the number one answer when you ask people why don't they coach? Time. That's the answer. Time. And, I don't have time. Yep, I can't yeah, find and, the time. Yeah, and the reality is you don't have the time not to coach because you're wasting more time by not elevating skill level in yourself and in your team, right? You, you, you can't afford not to do this. Nope. But until, you, until, that, until that aha moment happens, you know, it's easy to make the excuses, <laughs> right? I was just, just going to say that, Connie. When that light bulb goes on, suddenly it all comes together and they recognize the importance, they recognize the results that can be obtained, and from that point on, I mean, everything just falls into place, and the, the coach does make the time, from my experience, to do the things they're supposed to do. Yeah, I, I agree. Once the, the relevance and the importance, and they get that it benefits them, all of a sudden it's like, yep, let's do our coaching, you know, yep. because they see, they see the employee being successful, it becomes a happier environment at work, and now I can do what I need to do without constantly having to go back to fix, correct, hold hands, whatever it is with my employees. It's that whole empowerment thing, I, I think, as well, as a byproduct of coaching. Yes, I agree. All right, so now I have another question for you. If Provident said to you, yeah, we don't have to coach anymore, that's such a waste of time, would you stop? Well, I can't imagine Provident ever saying that. But yeah, if that's they never going to happen, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but if they did, no, I, I would absolutely not stop, and I would not diminish the, 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 the amount of time or anything in the program that we're doing now. Because right. for me, the coaching goes beyond the job. I mean, the skills that you learn and, and the things that you put into place in terms of time management, in terms of holding yourself accountable – those are skills that you bring to all of your relationships in life, your personal relationships, friends. I mean, you're not going to sit and coach your spouse, obviously, but in well, a way, we, but in a way we kind of all, <laughs> we kind of all do on an informal basis yeah. every single day. So you learn how to get better at it. And it, you know, your home life is better. Your work life is better. It's, it's just a great, great component of life all around. 
Yeah, and, you know, that's when I started with, you know, the story about the bad coach in high school, you know, Minnehaha, and that, of course, my, my mom and dad and the great influence that they have been on me, not only as a, as a business person or a professional, but even, you know, the, the mom that I am and, and the, the, how I empower my kids through coaching skills and listening skills. It's mind-blowing how good you can be at something with, I love your two words, patience and consistency. And I think life is all about being patient at time. You know, for those that aren't in New Jersey, the traffic is just brutal. No matter what time of day we go up and down that parkway, right, Al? Am I saying the truth? So patience, right. I think, is, is really a virtue we all need to, to uh, learn how to at least semi-control. And then that consistency, and I think it's very easy to not be consistent and do things willy-nilly versus scheduling things in. And, you know, we're, I'm going to do a show on time management at some point down the road because I think it's such a valuable uh, conversation as well. So, yeah, I, I, it's funny because, yeah, Providence not changing the coaching thing. It's here to stay. But, um, yeah, I, I think that you would never stop just because the value is so um, exponential, right? Exactly. Now, and, and another thing, I want everybody to understand, and then uh, the last 15 minutes or so, you and I will talk about some of the frustrations with teaching people, um, shifting gears when things aren't working, and I really want to give some tips on how to implement coaching, you know, for those that are doing no coaching. So I think you and I could put together some tips for them. You know me, yeah. I'm all about the how-to, right? I have to teach, 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 and, and tell people how to do things, not just what to do. That's the way Would to do you it. Would you say that given your, your – um, you have several branches that report to you, and, you know, a lot of people that report to you. Those folks, have you seen that coaching has developed them from a promotion career passing whether it be within the organization or even if they had some calling, like to be a teacher or something, outside of the organization? Have you seen that as well between you um, and your management team? Clearly. Um, in the last year with, within, my, within my region, I have promoted more people from non-management to supervisory slash management roles than I have in any year prior. And For I real? credit that – yeah, and I credit that in part to coaching, to to the focus on development of skills. Um, it, it, you know, when you when you put structure around it the way the coaching culture requires you to, it it and and people are are genuine about their careers and they they want to move forwards and they take that very seriously. They're going to hear the feedback and they're going to use that feedback to make changes and improve their job performance and become more effective and thus, you know, prepare themselves for that next step where they can climb the ladder when the opportunity opens up. Love it. I love that this, you know, in your career, and again, you said you were at Providence 16 years, that you've promoted more in the past year. And by the way, your bank has not, um, I know you just bought branches out in Pennsylvania, it totally does not interfere or um, change the, the dynamic of your region is the same. So you can't even say, well, yeah, they, they added five more branches. That's why he had that growth. That isn't the case, correct? That's absolutely correct. Um, just through organically people moving on, taking other opportunities and whatnot, 
up, uh, you know, job openings did come open, and we had a greater number of applicants and a greater number of successful promotions within, like I said. And, you know, it all, it all comes back to that, that mentoring role that you described earlier. Yeah, that whole coaching piece. Yeah, I, I, you know, we have to teach people. We just have to teach people. I just feel as a manager it's our responsibility um, to guide them to be more successful. And, again, you know, how many times have you heard, and I know I've heard this from all different um, companies that I work at, but let's give use an example of a teller. You you have, even in your region, some middle-aged women who are tellers. They're not looking to climb the corporate, corporate ladder, even though they clearly have the communication, supervisory skills, all those things. And they say, no, 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 but I love being a teller. And they're the best teller they can be. Does that mean that we don't coach them? No, absolutely not. Um... Well, number one, circumstances change, and, and goals are not stagnant. So just because somebody doesn't necessarily want that for themselves today, maybe a year from now they might. And if they're prepared for it, then they're ready to step up at that time. There's no, there's no ramp up time involved when you've been ramping them up right along. Yeah, um, so no wasting time. Exactly. I, I think it's just fairer to your employees. Uh, give them the opportunities. Uh, make them feel good about the company. Make them feel that there is a future for them here if they want that, because then they're going to produce that much more for you. Yeah, and and without begging and pleading and writing people up, it's they they genuinely step up and want to do it. Uh, right. That's that's what I've always found. Yep. I agree. And 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 before we take a, another real quick break, I just want to comment something you said about uh, coaching is developmental, and we cannot emphasize that enough. Coaching is about developing people. It is never punitive of, this was the action plan, and you didn't do it. Why not? Gotcha. That's not what coaching is about. Coaching is about teaching, elevating. If they didn't get it this month, tweak it so that they have those aha moments where they can actually execute what we're asking. So it truly is developmental. When you reach the point with, and I'm sure Al, you've experienced this, that sometimes you reach the point employee is in the wrong job or they just don't want to do the job. Well, then for me, coaching is now over and now every company has their own um, disciplinary, you know, like a, a verbal warning, written warning, whatever it is for each company. But coaching's over now. Now the conversation with the employee isn't about, you can do this, you're great, and here's how. It becomes, this is what I need you to do. And you have 30 days to accomplish X, Y, and Z, especially if they have the ability um, and it's more of a motivation issue. Again, I don't want to get into that in, in too much detail. So coaching is developmental. Disciplinary is disciplinary. Separate conversation. And I think you've had that situation where coaching ends and disciplinary begins, correct? Unfortunately, yes, it does. It does happen in some cases where you're working as much as you can with somebody and you're giving them tools and you're giving them guidance and they just choose not to follow it and not to take it and not to take it seriously. Correct. And you can, you can, you can only, you can only coach for so long without seeing any kind of results or more importantly, any kind of effort on the part of the person until you have to take it a different way. And nobody likes to do that, but that is, it's, it's a reality in, in the commercial world. Yeah, and, and just for anybody listening, that word choose, critical word, the employee is choosing 
to ignore or not do or not embrace. It's it's not that you've done – as long as you can look in the mirror and say, I have coached them, you know, I've stood on my head for this person, and they're choosing not to, then it becomes the employee's choice. And it's it's it stinks. I mean, you know, you never want to write anybody up, right? We want everybody to, to exceed and, and do well. Um, we'll. We'll continue our conversation. I'm, we're going to pause here just for a real brief break, okay, Al? Sounds good. All right, cool. It's a shame when you're feeling stuck in your business and you feel like you have nowhere to turn. It's a shame when you slog through long days in your business and you don't get any return. It's a shame when you feel like you can't see the forest for the trees and your business brings you to your knees. Einstein said repeating the same actions over and over won't produce different results. So stop feeling ashamed. Your business and you deserve better. Change that shame into righteous fame. Connie Whitman can tame that shame. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates will help you to discover your new path, and nothing will ever be the same. Connie's tried and true one-on-one coaching sessions will tame that shame so you and your business will not continue in vain. Call Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates today at 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Call Connie. Turn that shame into your game. Alrighty, we are back. Uh, I am here with Alrighty, <laughs> Alrighty, Almighty. Uh, I am here with my good friend Al Giobi, Senior Vice President, Regional Manager at Provident Bank, my one of the local banks here in uh, New Jersey. Great bank. Uh, I have another question. Can you give me an example of, and it could be during training, it could be in real life, whatever. Can you give me an example where you were coaching or someone was coaching you and they were they gave you a task or you gave them a task that they looked at you like I I don't even know what you're talking about. I can't, I can't physically or or I can't do that. Have you ever had that experience? I'll give you a great story, Connie, from oh. back when we started this process and we were going through your training classes and just learning the, the basics of how to coach and what coaching meant. Um, for the listeners, Connie, part of, one of the, the exercises that she does in her training is the minefield, where she partners two people in the class off and then she creates this minefield out of little cute stuffed toys and stuffed animals on the floor. Yes, and, and it, it, tell tell the people there's no injuries. We're not really losing limbs no, no. in my exercise. <laughs> no, no, it's it's soft little cute fuzzy stuffed things. It's nothing that you're going to get hurt on. And the the pairs go one at a time, and one person is blindfolded and stands at one end of the minefield, and the other person has to guide them through the minefield to walk through to the other side without touching or hitting or moving any of the stuffed animals. So it's kind of like a, a maze almost, a simple maze while you're blindfolded, but you're totally dependent on the directions that your partner is giving you. So when we were doing this, I was the blindfolded person. I had to cross the minefield. And, and the let person me just I was interject. Wor- let, just let me interject. Now, Al is, are you 6'2", six 6'3", six how tall are you? 6'3". Six 6'3", three. Six three. okay, and I'm 5'11". So Anybody who's blindfolded, again, safety first. I stand in the middle of the minefield, so if once you put a blindfold on, right, you you lose your equilibrium. So I'm in the center of the minefield. They know I'm there because I'll touch their elbow just to give them that little bit of balance. Go ahead, continue. (laughs) So my partner starts. He starts giving me directions, and I'm following them and moving through the minefield. 
at one point when I'm, about, I guess I'm about halfway through. About halfway, yeah. Me, he says to me, okay, lift your left leg. So I did. I lifted my left leg up and I held it there waiting for the next instruction. Karate next kid. Ins- you look like the karate kid. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> His next instruction to me was lift your right leg. So I'm like, what? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, does he want me to fly? But there's, <laughs> but there's a very, very good lesson in that in, you know, message given, message received. If you're a coach and you're, you're, you're coaching somebody and giving them directions on what to do, you need to be very specific and very clear because the person who's receiving it might think, oh, my God, this person wants me to fly. That might be the end result. You, know, the, you think, you think what, you're, what you're putting out there is making sense, but from the person who's on the receiving end of it, it makes no sense whatsoever or it's physically impossible. So that was a very good lesson for me that day about clear, clarity and communications when you are coaching somebody. You really have to be specific, simple, and clear when you're giving directives on what you want them to accomplish. It's funny, that it's, and I remember that example, and I remember thinking, oh, my God, he's going to fall over, and you're 6'3", God bless you, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I hope he doesn't hurt me. <laughs> so I'm standing there, and you're looking, again, blindfolded, but like, what the heck is wrong with this guy? Like, does he see my position? <laughs> so that was just, I, I, and I, it's funny that you mentioned that story, Al, when I do coaching training. I talk about you and your partner, which will be will remain nameless, and how the clarity of your direction really is so so freaking critical. It's hysterical at times um, that we really we have to stop and laugh. Uh, it's funny. Um, one of my sessions, you you weren't present in this one, and the woman says to her uh, partner scissor step to the right and i had never heard that expression and again i'm in the middle is. of the maze <laughs> and right and the young lady through the blindfolds no obviously they know where i am you know kind of in in the presence in their presence and she kind of looked at me now she's blindfolded so clearly she's really not looking at me and she goes do you know what that means and i i'm like uh uh-uh, uh i don't know what it means so when we debriefed the exercise i said to the woman who was giving the direction where did you get that from? She said it was Mother May I. Again, I never, never played that as a child. But to her, she wanted her to crisscross her legs and put her right leg over her left so that she wouldn't step on the landmine or whatever, you know, of the little stuffed animal. I had never heard that term either. So what your, what your description of clarity is what, you know, if I say, you know, I'll take a giant step. Your giant step might be two of what I think a giant step is. So I think with coaching, we have to also come together with what I'm saying, do you understand, and what does that mean to you, and almost have a conversation about the action steps, right? Isn't that kind of what we're saying? Completely, absolutely. Yeah, and you know what? They're the funniest stories I have uh, with the coaching and that landmine exercise. It's awesome. You know, I just love seeing people in pain, you know, on on blindfolded. And here's the other uh, message that we discuss when we debrief after that, that particular exercise. When I'm given an employee or someone I'm coaching something new, a new task, they could be, example, you had been with the bank eight years when we started this coaching thing, Al, right? Right. For me to come in and say to you, all right, now we're coaching. You've been here eight years. You know what to do. No. You knew 
what you were doing operationally, the computer, opening accounts, what the expectation of customer service, but you had never done Providence coaching or, or how they wanted it, right? Correct. So if I had come in and said, well, you've been here eight years, you've been here a long time, you know what's going on, coach. I would have just set you up for failure. So that, yeah, the how-tos, that clarity, I just think is, is exponentially important. All right, we have five minutes left, Al. So okay. let's kind of brainstorm and give some clear how-to steps if if I've never coached or even if I have a coaching system in place and it doesn't seem to be working, what do we think would be the first step? What do you think? Let's let's kind of talk about that. The first step to being an effective coach and having effective coaching sessions is as the coach you have to plan each and every coaching session. You can't go into a coaching session without a very clear idea in your own head of what you want to accomplish in that session. Because so some notes. What's that? Some notes. Right, some notes, uh, some, some action items, what, whatever, a very clear idea of what you want to accomplish, of, of where you want to direct that employee that day. Because if you don't have that, you're just going to kind of wander around during the session and it's going to be not a productive session for that employee because they're not going to have an idea of what you want of what the coach wants them to do because the coach doesn't know what they want them to do. Yeah, and it, and then coaching is viewed as what a freaking waste of my time. I could have exactly. been doing this. I could have been making calls. I could have been out helping customers. Um so it becomes a lose-lose instead of a win-win. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. So step one would be some kind of notes. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just some kind of idea, observations about the employee, um, and maybe even some notes to share, I think, expectations of what you want the employee to do and, and, and clearly say to them, this is what I want you to do or what the bank needs us to do or the company needs us to do. I'm not expecting this overnight. So let's come up with a baby step and then we'll go from there. So I think right. also clearly set the expectation that you're a human being. Yes, I know that. And we're going to work on this together, but we're in it together. Right? So that would be part of the notes I would think is the expectation. Right. Um, what do you think comes next? I think that the way the coach approaches the coaching session is very important in terms of maintaining a positive and helpful approach. Um, sometimes when we're coaching people, it's to redirect negative behaviors. You want them to do something different than what they're doing now because what they're doing now is just not cutting it. Um, even when you have that, even when you have that situation, you have to deliver it in a positive, helpful way, and you have to you have to be complimentary of something that that employee is doing in that session. And I don't mean that their hair looks nice today, but something job performance related that you can point out that they're doing well. And hopefully if they're doing something well in one area and they need to change something in another area, they can sort of in their own mind mirror one off of the other and connect the two. Yeah, and um, we call that building on strength, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, uh, positioning, the coach positioning themselves as the ally to that person, the person who wants to see them succeed, who wants to help them succeed, is, is key to making the whole, coaching, the whole coaching thing succeed. Yeah, and again, it's that good in, good out. 
garbage in, yep. garbage out. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. So we have notes. We have that approach, that positive ally building on strength. What do you think is, would be third? Um, well, we already talked about the importance of, of time management, the follow-up, so I won't go into that again. But, but let's put you... step number three, I think, scheduling with your scheduling. employees, don't you think? Yes, yes, absolutely. So they we won't go into they, any they... more detail than step three should schedule. And, and I think, and I know you do this, when we schedule it, we, send, we put it on Outlook and we remind the person a week before if there's anything that they should be bringing to the coaching session, right? All of right. that. So scheduled and then even a reminder a week before. Um, again, so we don't, if they forgot or whatever, they had a busy week that we, we kind of, you know, hold their hands initially. Then it should be scheduled and we shouldn't have to remind anymore at some point. Um, what do you think's next? So far, so good, dude. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> next, as you're, as you're starting the coaching session, you want to – I always start it by referring back to the prior coaching session and you know, touching on the main action objective from that and checking in to see how the person has done, what sort of progress they've made, and how they feel about what they've done. And yep. you know, sometimes part of the coaching session is – expanding on that a little bit and giving more direction on that in addition to what you had planned to cover in your new session. And that's fine. You know, that's as coaches, that's what we do. You have to be flexible. You kind of have to participate in the conversation and, and, and see what the needs of the person are, not what you think the needs of the person are. And absolutely. You know, and then yeah, we'll be present, right? Be present, be present and listen and, you know, hear what they need, not what, you need from them. It's you, sometimes those two things. There's a very big separation there, and the only way you're going to find that out is by listening to your employee. Agreed, 100 percent. Yeah. So refer, and and this is that accountability piece too. If I yep. look back on last month, it holds them accountable that there's an expectation that you actually did what we planned. Right. Right. Um, any any other steps that you would add? The only the only other thing I would add is is kind of just do it. Um, as a coach, you know, the, the instituting a culture takes a long time, as we discussed, but building your skills as a, as a coach also takes a long time. You're not going uh -huh. to become a master of this overnight. You're going to make mistakes. I've made plenty of mistakes where after a coaching session and I kind of debrief myself, I'll say, oh, geez, I should have said that differently or I should have made a point of doing this or saying uh -huh. this. We're human. That's going to happen. Um, be self-aware, be in the moment, check back in with yourself when you're done and, and kind of give yourself those tips and recognize and realize things that you can do differently and try different things. I mean, it's, it, this isn't an exact science. Try different, sure. try different, different ways to motivate, different ways to get somebody's attention, different ways to pull somebody into the moment so that they are hearing what you say. And, Every, every employee is different, so you might need to have a different approach with everybody, and most often you will. And that's the way you're going to find some success. Yeah, it's got to be a dynamic process, not a stagnant process for sure. And it and has this, to be little, and little steps. You have little to take steps. little, little steps. <laughs> I agree a thousand percent. And, and, and step five, it's what we were saying earlier about being patient and that consistency 
but do it. Just do it. And it doesn't yep. matter if you don't do it great. You know, think about every job you ever had the first day. Were you good at it? Most of the time you made a thousand mistakes and you went home thinking, oh, my God, what have I done? Why am I here? I'm horrible. <laughs> right? Because we're our worst enemy, even though probably didn't go that badly, right? So I, I think that, that – um, Patience, consistency, just doing it, movement. It's got to be that dynamic um, movement. The other thing I love you said, that you said was the debrief with self. I am constantly self-assessing a meeting. So do I. Um, after training, the, my, these, these shows, you know, looking back, what could I have done better? What didn't I do well? Um, better, better, better. You have to self-assess, self-assess not self-obsess, self-assess. And you also have to um, be kind, but you also have to say, eh, I really do need to work on that. And own it, you know, own that you're not perfect. Yep. Love it. So step one, note. Step two, build on strength. Your, appro- your appro- approach as a coach to be positive and build on the employee's strength. Show you're an ally. Step three, schedule it. Get it on the, from a time management standpoint, get it on that schedule. Step four, um, refer back to the old, session, the old session from the previous month, accountability. Be flexible during the session if they need more time, and be present with them. And listen, listen, listen. We have two ears and one mouth. We should be listening twice as much as we speak, and unfortunately we don't, um, we don't do that. And then the last step, I love it, do it. Just go ahead, do it, be patient, be consistent, and debrief with yourself and uh, self-assess. Great, great job. Al, is it okay if I give our listeners uh, all of your contact information so that if they have questions from a management standpoint or just love something that you said, can they email you or or even connect with you on LinkedIn? Absolutely, Connie. All righty. So if you want to reach my good friend Al, his uh, email is algiobi, that's A-L-G-I-O-B-B, like boy, ie at aol.com again al giobi at aol.com and if you look for him on linkedin he's listed under you're ready for this albert giobi i love it albert and that's thank you pachetta (laughs) come on i gotta get a couple of licks in uh and albert is a l b e r t and then again giobi g-i-o-b-b-i-e al thank you thank you thank you i can't believe our time is up didn't that go fast unbelievably fast there's like seven more things i want to say i know I took, right, we said that at the beginning, you and I would have no problem uh, staying, uh, staying uh, active for, for uh, a full hour. Again, thank you so much uh, for joining me. And for those of you listening, I really do hope you join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and look, look it in the face and, you know what, say, I've got this. Um, thanks again, Al. You were an awesome guest. I, you know I, I love you dynamic conversation as always um thank you for helping me make the show a success um again you've been listening to architect of change with me your host connie whitman on webtalkradio.net i look forward to seeing you all next week and really hope you tune in have a great week and thanks again been listening to the architect of change with your host connie whitman of whitman associates thank you for tuning in we're glad you were here time may change me but i can't